Asymmetrical Haircuts, Justice Update. In partnership with justiceinfo.net. All rise. Hi, Janet. Hey, Stephanie. You've been off at the International Criminal Court again, haven't you, this week? Um, it was the defence of the former president of the Ivory Coast, Lauren Bagbo, um, saying something. What's going on? Well, this is a, a case where Bagbo and uh, his co-accused Blake Goudet were both acquitted in January last year um, and then conditionally released to Belgium for Bagbo. And I think Blake Goudet is in the Netherlands because the prosecution filed an appeal to this acquittal. But both defendants have now asked the court to lift the restrictions on their uh, on their release. Um, so they have to stay in uh, Belgium or the Netherlands respectively, and they can't go to Ivory Coast. And especially Gbagbo told his lawyers that he wants to um, maybe return to Ivory Coast and participate in some way or have something to do with the... Um, elections there in October. And uh, we have a little clip of uh, Dove Jacobs uh, from the Gbagbo defense team explaining their position. The defense is thus of the view that in principle, no restrictions can be placed on the freedom of a person who has been acquitted. This person should be able to enjoy all his rights, including his civil and political rights. This principle is recognized by all international courts and tribunals that safeguard human rights. I'm sure Dove was very eloquent in court and uh, uh, very clear about why this was a complete restriction on uh, the the rights of his uh, client. I mean, you know, on the one hand, you'd think, you know, come on, he's been acquitted. This makes me think of stuff going on at the Rwanda tribunal where people were fully acquitted at the end of their trials and yet they had nowhere to go. Uh, they had to stay, they're still staying actually now in Tanzania. Uh, I was um, talking about this with um, Shannon Raj Singh who's uh, um, who was working there previously now. She's working at the Lebanon tribunal and, uh, and we're both saying how deeply shocking we find it when things things like this happen. So it doesn't really look good, does it? That um, while appeal is is going on, somebody has to, you know, has such restrictions. Yeah, well, the the prosecution stressed that um, yes, um, and, and defense and Dove was citing all these cases in other international courts and the European courts for human rights. But that was all for people who were definitely acquitted, like in the Rwanda tribunal. And the prosecution here stressed very much that this is still an ongoing case. They are still appealing. And as far as the prosecution is concerned, they want to kind of the trial they're still going on and they hope that they get their appeal so that they can continue. But it isn't, I mean, you say the trial is still going on, but it was pretty well squashed by the judges, wasn't it? What the judges said to the prosecutors was really quite strong at the time, wasn't it? I mean, it was brutal even. I think you've used that that term before because they said that there was really no case to answer that, that the prosecution has put through. So, I mean, on what basis are they appealing? Well, they... Um they want uh, they don't want the case to kind of pick up where they left off, but they want to do the whole trial over again. So they've actually asked for a mistrial so that they can essentially start over. And um, that would take many years. And Gbagbo has spent eight years already in ICC detention, as his lawyers were pointing out. And they pointed out also that a new case would take many, many years. And that if you keep those restrictions, you're basically really, really infringing his human rights of a person 
who, you know, it's not even like the trial went through the stages and then had the defense and then was declared. I mean, the prosecution was basically told you have in no way proven the charges that you've laid against this person. Um, so that was also um, one of the arguments of the defense. Not, you know, he hasn't, he has been so acquitted that, you know, this they have to start the whole case again. And he's basically at the mercy of the prosecution. So how did the prosecutor try to argue? They were very, very, uh, like, straight laced and said there is basically no change in the circumstances um, that were already before the court when they ruled that there should be these conditions on release, that um, they were already said that the case would continue uh, and that they want to continue the case and this much was obvious and so um, this kind of appeal for a decision that was already made should be rejected. Nothing has happened which would affect the appeals chamber's conclusion that the release on conditions is necessary that they do not abscond uh, and to prevent uh, the, the appearance before the court. In addition, there has been no change in the prosecutor's position with respect to the remedy that we seek in our appeal. The prosecutor intends to continue proceedings against Mr. Bagbo and Mr. Blegoudet. This means that if her appeal succeeds, the prosecutor intends to retry Mr. Bagbo and Mr. Blegoudet. Now, I also imagine that um, because this has got real implications back in Ivory Coast, uh, aren't they coming up to elections soon? I mean, presumably the authorities in the Ivory Coast are saying, no way do we want this huge opposition figure, this highly, highly popular figure to, to come back. No, exactly. That was the main argument. Ivory Coast was at these hearings, uh, not as a party to the case, but as a kind of friend of the court, an amicus courier. And they basically said, you know, you have to keep Bagbo and Blegoudet where they are, um, arguing also that um, it would cause great unrest if they returned, like you say, and also making a big point of that they said that a half a trial is not a real trial and that really this case had to be tried to the full extent so that if he was then acquitted after all the appeals were exhausted, then, then maybe the Ivorians could accept the result. But this kind of half trial, if he would then return, then it would be a lot more um, a volatile situation because maybe Ivorians wouldn't really believe the, the case. So they made a big point of that. He had to stay here until all the bits of the case were finished. So are we now into kind of a Groundhog Day or Bagbo Day for the next eight years, do you think? I mean, what's going to happen? It's difficult to tell. I think from the judges at the hearing, I got the I got the impression from the kind of questions they asked that they weren't super inclined to release him without conditions immediately because they made a big point of saying that even if we, you know, if we release him, the problem with the ICC is that it doesn't have its own police force. And if Ivory Coast wasn't able to arrest him or hand him over, then the court couldn't do it on its own as well. Um, but they're going to now deliberate the request and rule in due course. And we have no idea when. In fact, the whole case has been really slow going with decisions and then like, six months to have the written version of that decision. So, so things are really drawn out in this case. So I, I really couldn't put an estimate on when they would rule on this particular thing. OK, well, Janet hits head on desk and uh, I suppose we'll just have to expect to... Uh have some more justice updates in the dim and distant future. Thanks very much, Steph. Thank you, Janet. Bye. 
This podcast was created and presented by Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg. It is published in partnership with justiceinfo.net. You can find show notes and additional blogs on asymmetricalhaircuts.com. It is recorded in the Hague Humanity Hub, home to a community of innovators in the field of peace, justice, development and humanitarian action. Music is by audionautics.com and the show is available on every major podcast service, so please subscribe, give us a rating and spread the word.